Welcome to another episode of Becoming DO. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's get into it. Okay, so thank you, Yoshi, for joining me and doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, man. It's it's always a pleasure to um, to mentor and just give back as much as possible to to medical students and aspiring medical students. Uh, thank you so much. Okay, so I think today, in respect of like the match process that's going to be in a few days, when is when is your match for you guys? So match week is actually um, not this upcoming week, but the following week. Match week starts on March 13th, and it runs um, at match day, which is March 17th, that Friday. This year, it's pretty cool because it lands on um, St. Patrick's Day, so that'll be fun. Okay, so, like, the whole match process is a whole week? Uh, Yes and no. Um, I'm going to get into the details in, in just a little bit. Uh, so I'll give you a little bit more insight on like how that how that works, what to expect, and and um, what people do throughout the, those weeks. Okay. So yeah, just start by what exactly is match. So during the students, the medical students' fourth year of, of medical school, they basically um, have to put together a job application in layman's term for their desired medical medical specialty, or if they're going to dual or triple apply. Um, multiple medical specialties. Um, so during the match process, it's run, ran in conjunction with between AAMC, which is the Association of American Co- Medical Colleges, and the NRMP, which is the National Residency Match Program. During this time, students submit their applications through AAMC, ERAS, and eventually rank their programs through the NRMP. That's basically just how uh, um, what match is and, and how it works in, in, in the short term. Okay. So, my question is then, like, if between ERAS and, is it AMC, right? Yep. And I'm guessing this is, like, um, ERAS is, like, from the hospital side of things, because how exactly does it work, basically? So, ERAS is the, um, ERAS is part of AAMC. Um, so that's actually where you put together, that's the platform where you put together your whole application. You submit everything you've done throughout your four years of medical school, any public, any paper you're published, all activities, all leadership, any sort of designation and honor that you've received during medical school. And you can even take it to your last couple of years of undergrad. That's where you put all your information, basically your address, you put in your email. Um, and then that's where you save all the programs that you're aspiring to, to apply to. Um, that is your main go-to platform for everything match. Um, you then apply to all the programs, and then at the end of it all, basically, is, is when you rank everything on a different program, which that's the NRMP um, student student program. Okay, so explain explain what um, ranking means, because I know like a lot of people that were like uh, this past, I think a couple months or a couple weeks ago, they mm-hmm. had like to solidify their ranks. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll get a little bit more into the whole process, actually. And I'll talk about like just like submitting the applications and stuff. So, you know, you basically find all the applications, you all the programs across the United States that you want. It's very specialty dependent. Right. So you're, you're limited on basically just your your specialty or the number of different specialties you're applying to. So once you apply to all those specialties and you send all those specialties, um, 
all of your publishments, all your, like I mentioned, everything that you participated in and your letters of recommendation that you have attained throughout your third and fourth year of medical school. You send the applications and then afterwards, all you got to do is basically eagerly sit and wait. Some programs may begin reviewing applications and sending interview invites just a few days after submission, while others take a few weeks or even a couple months until they send out their invites. The interview season basically begins the first week of October, and for some students, they may last until the first or even second week of February. So timing is of the essence. Programs may only hold interviews on about 10, 15 different dates. So the quicker you see the request, the email request, the better chances you'll have to be able to choose a date and time that works for you and that doesn't clash. You got to think about that. You can't clash for any other already scheduled interview that you did in the past. So a couple quick tips that actually that I would say, it's like during the application process, you got to, I personally, and I know a lot of other people, they made a brand new email solely to link it to ERAS. And ERAS is what I mentioned earlier, is the Electronic Residency Application Service. And then you add the push notifications on your cell phone and smartwatches so that you're informed as soon as the emails comes in. That way it doesn't get a little bit colluded with all the other spam emails. And as soon as you see your watch um, light up or you feel like something in your pocket, you have your phone on loud, you know that it's an, um, an email invite. So like I mentioned, timing timing is of the essence with these things. So I, it seems like uh, the interviews, once you get an interview, can it be like withdrawn or something if you don't respond after a given amount of time? It's not withdrawn, um, but you can be waitlisted. So, for example, um, I had an interview and I was um, rounding, pre-rounding with with a resident, and I didn't notice that even though I have like all the push notifications and everything, we were in one area of the hospital where I had no service. So, push comes to sub. Eventually, we finished rounding. I noticed it, the interview invite, and it had only been about fifteen minutes, twenty minutes at most, and there was only literally one interview slot left open so i got lucky the only option after that was just um waitlist and waitlist means like if someone does cancel an interview and you can't cancel your interviews if for some reason you're either not interested in that program anymore or if you have some sort of problem and would rather um interview at another program instead of your of your current um slot allotted time the people that are waitlisted can then jump on the and then take their interview spots oh wow so, so now that uh, I think you basically, I think when is the, the ERAS actually due? When is the submission date? When is the application due? So usually, so the application's open, so students can start working on the application at the end of September. So at the end of September, you have um, time to basically start working on your application, keeping everything up to date, and then you submit usually in the first week or like towards that end of September as well. Um, so during that time, um, once you submit, as I mentioned earlier, some programs review immediately and then some programs take weeks or even months. And, and I, I know I had some programs that, that reached out to me a week after I submitted and I had some programs even reached out to me in middle to late January for, for an interview invite. Oh, wow. Yep. So how many programs can you actually apply to and how do you how do you pick the programs usually that you want to apply to like what's what's the decision that usually go like into making that like that decision like what the mind what's your mindset when you're making that decision of like which program to apply to and how many you're supposed to apply to yeah so there's basically honestly only two limiting factors on how many programs you can apply to 
But first limiting factor is how many residency programs exist for your specific specialty. Um, I applied physical medicine and rehabilitation at the time that I was submitting my, my applications. There was only 98 programs throughout the country um, that are participating in the, in the match this year for PM&R. Now, throughout the process, there was actually a couple different programs that were credited and joined the application process as well. So the 98 ended up turning to about 100 or 101 programs that participated in the match this year for PM&R. But, for example, internal medicine and family medicine, they have several hundred programs throughout the country that you can apply to. So if that's one limiting factor, you can only apply to how many programs there are out there. The second limiting factor is how much money are you actually willing to spend? Because each program costs money. There's a um, NRMP and ERAS calculator that actually breaks down your costs or your estimated costs for applications just because, for example, I think like the first one to 20, you play a certain amount. And then after that, you pay an additional amount for each application that you submit through the ERAS. So again, it's, it, it depends. Some people will go into this match and then they want to apply to every single program because they want to cast a wide net. But there's other people that ultimately like, you know, they're, they're limited with their funds and, and can only apply to a certain amount of programs. Okay. So, now that you've let's say you applied to a program and you submitted um okay before we get to that though let's let's talk about like us being deals and then like which is the whole md stuff like how does that affect us being deals so that's very very program dependent um as a do and and during third and fourth year and, and you start thinking about match uh, there are whispers of people saying very do quote-unquote friendly programs and they do exist and and you go on to like a program's website and, and you see how many of their current residents are do's versus mds you'll notice some programs are traditionally all mds for one reason or another and then there's some programs that may be 70 percent do's to about 30 percent mds but if you ever reach out to any of those programs or you ask people in those programs they'll, they'll ultimately tell you they're they're non-biased and they're willing to accept anyone. I personally know someone who applied a couple cycles ago who they matched had a program that had never taken a DO before. And they were they were the first. So where there's a will, there's a way. Um, although there are some quote-unquote DO-friendly programs out there, I would say you, you apply everywhere. Now, being a realist as well, I'm sure there are some program directors out there and some program coordinators out there that they'll have your application come across their desk and, and they may may not look at you if you're a DO. And that goes to DOs and, and that especially goes to or IMGs. Um, I've heard that as well. There, there's some people who I've heard say it's like they're an IMG. The, the first round of um, qualifications for us is that you either have to be an MD or a DO in the United States and they automatically throw away the IMG um, applications. Okay. So, once you've applied, what then? Because, okay, I want to use an example. Like, personally, my, my sister, she's in an MD school. And once she was done with her applications, like, I don't think after, after September, they, sh they don't really have any more, into, um, like, rotations left for them. They just, they just interviews from then on. Like, she was, she was at home just doing interviews. And now mm -hmm. she's, like, traveling and stuff. So what, what happens after you've applied? basically after like end of September. Yeah. So that's very, very, very um, homeschool dependent. It all depends like what school you go to. 
so going a little bit into deeper detail and, and diverging off like the whole match thing, there's something that goes along with this that's called audition rotations. The way I explain audition rotations is you want to do a, usually a four, two to four week rotation in your desired specialty in a residency program that you plan to apply to, a residency program you would like to attend. Um, the reason being is because you want to be somewhere and you want them to get to know you. That You want them to understand how you work with the residents. You want to see the culture of the program. You want them to get to know you as well on a, on a very personal level. So that way, your application comes across their desk after you submit and they know you. They know exactly who you are. They know if you fit in or if you don't fit in. And, and you know them. You know if, if you fit in there culturally or not. So strategically you start doing those audition rotations at the beginning of your fourth year. Um, you do them all in July, August, September, October, November, December, and even I would say usually the last audition rotation people do is in January. So you don't, for the most part, submit applications and you're off. Um, throughout that process, um, for example, you may have a rotation set up in December at a, at a program where you want to apply to, and they may be waiting for you to get there in order to offer you an interview. So with the set, with the same said, with things, with the same thing said, if you're going to rotate somewhere in January, they may be waiting for you to get there to offer you an interview in January. So you don't kind of submit and, and you don't take the, the rest of the time off. You really do want to take advantage of that first half or the first half plus one month of your fourth year of medical school to make yourself as competitive as possible and try to visit your top desired programs, albeit, anywhere throughout the country and then obviously like i think a lot of people talk about like with audition rotations it's a kind of a lock of a draw in the sense that with the visual like if you don't get into the program that you want to eventually apply to and you get like what five or five or four of them like it, it's a toss-up sometimes if you get the program you want to apply to and the one you don't apply to so like how how does that work in terms of like okay how am I supposed to show myself to a program if I don't get the opportunity to audition at that program? Absolutely. It's very hard. I, at the end of my third year, people always talked about audition rotations. And I saw on VSLO that there were so many openings for different programs that I wanted to go to. And it is so much harder than I expected to attain one of these audition rotations. Um, I thought I was going to be able to apply for one date, one block date of four weeks, and I was going to be able to probably possibly get that and that's not true if it's one of your top three programs what i recommend doing is you send that application with basically every single month from J july all the way to january in hopes of landing one spot of their availability is, is extremely limited mm -hmm. a lot of these programs sometimes only accept two to three students per audition rotation and you, if you think about it some of these programs, these residency programs, during the application cycle may have five to six, seven hundred applicants um, applying to their specific program. And I would say not a large chunk, but a good amount of those students are competing for two to three spots every month. So what I would do personally, if, if you're very interested, leave yourself open to the whole six or seven months from the beginning of your um, fourth year all the way up until January. And if it's one of your top programs, I would reach out directly to the program coordinator. I may CC the program director. I may reach out to some residents trying to make as many connections as possible in that program that you want to go and then just show interest that you want to be there. You know, 
just don't be scared to email people. Don't be scared to call people. Just try to get your foot in the door as best as possible. Okay, so let's say we've we've obviously submitted our applications. We I guess interview process. Could you just like glance over the whole like interview? How how does that work? Is it was it different for you guys this time around? Was it all on Zoom or was it more in person? Like what was it like this time around for you guys? So for us personally, all my interviews were completely virtual. And I feel like that's like 98% of the people that I know they were completely virtual with the exception of one friend who had one in-person interview through family medicine at a program out West. Other than that, everything was completely, completely virtual. So usually the, you get the invite, right? It can be through VSLOW directly. It can be through a couple different pro, um, programs called uh, Thalamus, which is another popular one, or Third Friday, or it can be directly through the program email themselves. There's not one direct program where all residency programs need to email or interview offers. So it can come from a, an array of different places. You open up the offer, you basically see their availability. Sometimes, as I mentioned, they may have five, 10, up to 15 available dates AM versus PM, you click it, you confirm, and that, that's that's your interview slot. Leading up to the interview, some programs may have resident meeting greets virtually where you log in and, and it's a couple days or a day before the interview, and then you ask questions to the residents. You ask them about how quality of life, you ask them um, questions about like living in the area, you ask them like how call works, if they have 24-hour shifts, about salary, how if there's like how the family and culture of the programs are, how do they act? And then the next day of the interview, whether it's a morning interview or an afternoon interview, you log in about 10 or 15 minutes before, make sure your camera's good, make sure your audio is working. And it depends on the program. There's some places that I interviewed at, which was um, five or six 20, 20 or 30 minute interviews with a handful of their faculty and staff. There's other programs that I interviewed at that it may, may have been 15 minutes with two to three different so it's very, very, very program dependent how they hold the interview process. Some are formal interview questions as to like, tell me about a time you had a discrepancy in your work life or in with a coworker and tell me how you handled it. And I had some random questions who asked me, tell me about your opinion on Elon Musk. And someone else asked me, if you were a food, what food would you be and why? So it's very, very program dependent. Well, that's really interesting. Okay, so let's say we're done with the interview process. Now, it sounds like a bunch of like just waiting at this point because you've interviewed and everything you've done throughout your whole medical career has come to this point of of match day, right? Yep. Everything so, comes to, to basically the match day. So you have all the interviews. As I mentioned, the interviews can last all the way up to the first, second week of February. And for us this year, um, our rank, on our NRMP rank was due March 1st at 9 p.m. Eastern time. So by 9 p.m., well, by 8.59 p.m. Eastern time on March 1st, every single person participating in the match this year had to rank their programs one through X amount of interviews that they received um, from one being the most favorable to the last one being the least favorable, obviously, and they had to certify their rank list. Certifying the rank list just means the fact that this is it. I'm submitting it. I'm officially participating in this year's match. So you submit the match. That was March 1st, as I mentioned. And now we just sit and wait. 
We completely just sit and wait. There's nothing that we can do. Per ERAS and AAMC guidelines, we're not allowed to reach out to any programs anymore. The programs are not allowed to reach out to us anymore either. We can have zero contact with the programs from here to there. And we just sit and wait. Um, this year, specifically, I can talk about uh, Match Week, which starts on March 17th, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern. So at 10 a.m. Eastern on March um, 13th, I will receive an email saying, congratulations, you have matched, or uh, unfortunately, you have not matched, or if I'm, I'm applying physical medicine and rehabilitation, as I mentioned, so I apply for transitional years, and I also apply for physical medicine rehabilitation um, match as well. So I can actually receive an email saying, congratulations, you have partially matched, meaning that I still have to participate in something else in the, lays, in the days leading up to match day, March 17th. So as I mentioned, on March 13th, you find out whether you match or you didn't match. So if you don't match, then the students have to enter the SOAP or the Supplemental Offer and Acceptance Program process, which usually lasts about the first three days, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Students may submit their applications to programs who have any open spots throughout the country, but there cannot be, during the SOAP process, any direct communication between the students, their home institution, and the residency programs. All you got to do is you're informed of what open spots there are during the SOAP process, and then you apply and send your application to those programs. Now, at the end of those three days on Thursday, if the student is still unmatched, then this, something called the scramble begins. Programs once again publish their remaining open seats. And at this time, you and your home institution are allowed to reach out directly to these programs via phone, email, and inquire and show interest for these open slots. Now, hopefully by the end of Thursday or early Friday, you have acquired a seat in a program of your desire or any open program. So on Friday at noon Eastern, March 17th this year, um, you will receive a second email from NRMP saying, congratulations, you have matched at blank. And at this point, they will let you know exactly your location for your residency program. Oh, so it seems like it's like the two different, in a sense, like you, you know that you've matched by that earlier date, but you don't know where you matched. Correct. Exactly and then, right. And then match day is like where you know where you matched. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, so basically that Monday is, is the only thing for you to do there is if unfortunately you have not matched, then you have to figure out and, and you have to resend applications or send applications elsewhere. So from Monday to that Friday is, is like you're working to find yourself a seat for a residency program. Now, if, if you do match on that Monday and you get that congratulations email, um, there's nothing else for you to do until uh, Friday noon and you find out where you matched. Oh, wow. So what 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 happens like I know you talked about the the getting the email obviously you don't match then then you do the soap and then the scramble after what happens if you don't soap you don't match at first and then you also don't soap what happens then so if you're not able to soap those first three days and the scramble process can be on that Thursday all the way up to Friday and technically speaking that scramble process can continue until july 1st that scramble process can continue until the start of next year's residency or this year's residency um, program you can scramble basically anytime from march may april 
all the way up to, to July 1st, technically, as long as the limiting factor being that there's open seats. Oh, wow. So that's, that's very, very stressful, honestly, if you did in math, yeah. It is very stressful. And um, another thing that stinks about the whole process, it's very, very specialty dependent. Um, it's a little bit limited on specialties that aren't, there aren't a lot of programs or a lot of seats throughout the country. Um, for example, PM&R last year, from my understanding, I think there was one, maybe one open seat throughout the whole country. So when you think about like that, every single applicant that did not unfortunately match is fighting for that one single seat. So just because you didn't match, unfortunately, if you still want to apply for that specific specialty, you, if there's no seats open, you may not participate in a soap or a scramble. Okay, because I, I wanted to ask a question for all my, you know, like go-getters in, in my class or people that are like sure. are applying and stuff. So what happens, let's say, when you apply to like auto one day and you want to like, you know, do a apply to like IM or something else? Like, is it possible to match to two different programs or how does that work? So you're not able to. I can't speak completely in the deep, deep, deep details of that just because I, I did not dual apply. But I have spoken to people that have dual applied and, and they somewhat explained the process to me. So, and I may be term here and, and please, if any of your listeners, like I say something that is incorrect, please feel free to correct me. But from my understanding is that although you dual apply, you still have to rank programs in order of preference. Mm -hmm. Meaning if you really want to rank ortho and they're at the top, um, and if you do fall all the way down and you don't match ortho, you will match accordingly into IM or FM or anything like that. Now, if you rank ortho, and let's say you rank like one or two ortho programs, you rank a couple internal medicine programs, and then you rank a couple more ortho programs, meaning everything's kind of like mixed in between one another, and you don't rank, rank, uh, match in your first couple ortho programs, and you match, let's say, your number three slot being internal medicine, you're only going to match internal medicine and the ortho programs that fall in your rank list below internal medicine will go completely ignored. You know what I mean? So if you scramble up, if you mix it all up together, your rankings, and it's a big mi mixed match of ortho and internal medicine, and you match internal medicine, then whatever you ranked orthopedics and it's below your internal medicine rankings will go completely ignored. But long story short, you can only match into one specialty. So this is Jessica too for Hey Jess. Hi Yoshi. So one of my attendings, she was like very on the fence about what specialty she wanted to apply to. So she dual applied OB-GYN and pathology and she just alternated like path OB, path OB, like down the list of like her top program mm -hmm. in each specialty and she was happy she matched into pathology and she was like that was what was best for me but yeah from what you explained that's correct it's like you kind of just apply to both and you know if you're still interested in both specialties when you're like doing that then that's what you do and and unfortunately you just kind of like whatever like rank your your highest rank and their highest rank for you it's kind of like a dating profile right so you kind of just it is, it is. everyone works and out that algorithm is very, very, very confusing. And um, I looked it up a couple different times on exactly how it worked. But essentially, um, what it was explained to me, and, and ultimately I made sense of it, 
is the student basically where where they apply is where they want to match and it's ultimately up to the programs if they match because at the end of the day they are you are ranking them and, and they are ranking you as well so if if you fall lower on their list then you may not match there unfortunately even though you may have had them at number one or number two so it's it's again it's you may choose where but ultimately they choose if yeah so i was i was because it sounds like a very convoluted confusing system it is what do you think are like the pros of the match and what do you think are like the cons of like the match process yeah so the pros i think the eras interface is pretty user-friendly it's it's not too confusing there's not a ton of different tabs they've made it very user-friendly that you can just go and review your application and you can work on it and edit it as you go throughout the process and you're not going to get too lost in it and i think the process overall is equal across the board it's one single program for mds and do's and ing's so i feel like that's advantageous for everyone and it's it's very very baseline so I don't want to get too in the weeds or I don't want to get into in the weeds about this, but another pro that I personally enjoyed that some people may call it a con is that there's actually something called um, a supplemental application now with, and program signaling with only certain some specialties. Um, you're allowed to, to choose the region and explain why you want to be in that region. And you're allowed to signal um, some of these residency programs that you want them to basically you. The way I explain the signaling in short essence is kind of like a Facebook poke. You're, um, for example, PM&R, you're allowed uh, three different program signals. So think about me Facebook poking three different programs. Now, a lot of these programs may not see it. A lot of these programs may not even know what to do with it, and it may not even give you an, an, a competitive advantage. But I enjoy that, um, especially if you want to stay in one region or another. Um, It'll really show the programs in that region why you want to be there. And you're allowed to explain it in a very short, little, brief couple sentences as well. Um, another pro, I think, is virtual interviews. Um, it allows students to cast a wider net and interview at more locations than they would otherwise be able to afford. Um, all of the interviews can be done from the, from the comfort of your own home from coast to coast. Now, that may actually, going into the cons, be a disbenefit for some other students uh, just because if there's a student that really really wanted to join a program and really wanted to participate in one of the programs and I applied to that program just because I wanted to cast that wider net unfortunately the other students application may just be looked right over as, as it goes through across the PDs and program coordinators desk um, so that's that's a good thing about virtual interviews and that's also a downside about virtual interviews some of the cons is the cost it's not an it's not a cheap process and obviously the more as i mentioned earlier applications and, and programs you apply to especially if you do apply it gets very very costly very very quickly another downside is if this is a blind match followed by the decision so you either you go where you get matched or the only other decision is basically to take a year off um it's not like you get a couple different um acceptance acceptances kind of you do like an undergrad in medical school and then you figure it out you either go or guess what? You don't go and then you take a year off and, and you figure it out. You try to make yourself a more competitive candidate in the following cycle. Another con, like we alluded to a little bit earlier, we touched upon is the, like the understanding of the actual match algorithm. 
it's very, very, very confusing. Um, you'll hear people talk about and try to explain it, and it may just actually confuse you a little bit more than, than you were going into the whole explanation. It's it's not easy, and I actually read something on Twitter the other day saying that the algorithm, it may take only about 17 seconds to match you, and you submitted your application on, on, March, 7, on March 1st, and you're waiting until March 17th to figure out where, where you match to. So that's, that's another con. And as I mentioned um, earlier, just now, it's like virtual interviews. Personally, um, although I liked being able to apply to do- a lot of different programs, I'm not a type of person who, whose character um, can be portrayed virtually. I really like to get in, you shake your hand and, and have a conversation with you directly. Um, as opposed to just looking across at a at a little green dot on my computer and, and staring off into space, I wish that interviews were in person, just to get to know the city that I'm applying to, just to get to know the culture of the program, and and get to know the residents. You really do get a feel of who's happy, why they're happy, and and um, if there's anything that can be done to to back up the students um, from a program's uh, point of view. Also, to kind of add to the supplemental application, I like how you laid out the pros and cons because I feel like some of those are like overlooked. But um, for people putting in the location, isn't um, it true that like if you put East Coast, then people on the East Coast will see that you say East Coast. But if you put East Coast, people on the West Coast that you are applying to, they would just say it would be blank. Whereas if you put like no preference, then they would see that. So it can be like a pro and a con too, because it's like someone that's applying to that program might see it and say like, oh, they want to be here. Or they just see it and say they either don't want to be here or they don't either. If it's blank, then they see that they don't want to be in that region necessarily, or they just didn't fill it out. So it can be like a positive or a negative for, for you. Yeah. It absolutely can be, and I appreciate you bringing that up because it's something that I thought about during at that time, um, which I submitted the, the supplemental in late September, but I completely forgot to mention it now. Yeah, so you technically don't have to participate in the supplemental application. It's encouraged to, to participate in every aspect of the application, but it's not necessary. As you mentioned, um, you can put the different regions, and the programs in that region can see that you're interested in, in that specific region. But the programs outside of that region cannot see what region you signaled. So I'm not sure if when it goes across their desk, whether they it's just blank or they just don't see anything at all. But the only programs that see the region you're interested in are the programs in that region. Now, with that being said, you also don't have to participate in every single question of the map, of, of the, the supplemental application. Um, I can be completely honest with you, and there's one specific question that, that asks you, um, in a residency program, what area are you more more likely or more interested to serve during, and like, what, what program and what area do you want to be in? So the different options were rural, somewhat rural, um, unspecific or undesired, urban, or uh, metropolitan. I did not answer that. Um, as I mentioned, PM&R is what I'm applying to, and every single program that I like that exists out there for PM&R is in a 
urban area or met- mm-hmm. like a metropolitan city. So I completely ignored that question. I asked two different program directors that question. And I asked them directly, how are you guys looking at this question? How are you guys going to evaluate it? And they both kind of told me the same thing. Verbatim, they told me, we don't know. This is this is new to us. We, we don't know how we're going to look at this. So I would say just be honest with yourself. Um, if there's a region, as I mentioned, that you're really interested in, say it. Don't think that they're trying to trick you. And I'll be completely honest with you. The, the region that I chose, I got half of my interviews from places outside of that region. I don't know. And I don't think programs know exactly how to review the supplemental application yet. It's very, very new to them. There was one um, program that wasn't even really aware what questions were on the supplemental application before they were submitted. So I think everyone's just trying to get used to it and, I think it can help you. I don't think it can honestly hurt you all that much or, or if any at all. I would encourage you and every other student listening to, to go ahead and participate and, and be honest with yourself and, and with the programs out there. Um, as I mentioned with those um, Facebook pokes or those um, program signals, um, PM&R had, um, I believe, three. And I didn't get, even though I signal them and poke them i didn't get an interview at one of those programs so whether they saw it or didn't see it i'm not sure but it's not a guaranteed interview if you uh signal some of these programs are the tokens and the signals similar or the same or yeah so they are um the same um different specialties hold and, and they give you tokens or different signals in different ways um, orthopedics does it way different. Um, I think orthopedics gives you 30 signals. Um, OB-GYN, from speaking to a friend, I know they get um, a couple gold signals, some silver signals, and then some bronze signals. My specialty specifically, we just get signals, uh, like I said, about three signals, and, and that's it. We're, we're not getting anything else. So it's very, very specialty dependent. Yeah. Uh, uh, thank you. have told us a lot. I think one last question I have is like, what do you think we could do to improve the whole system? Because there are a lot of, obviously, well-trained medical students that go on match each year. And I don't know if the numbers are increasing or decreasing, but I think the government recently passed a bill that increased the number of um, residency programs open and available. But what what would you say you would do to make uh, the match process more successful? It's basically... I was going through four years, and it just—it was sound a bit disappointing if at the end of the four years you don't get a job. You know, it seems like all this whole work has been a waste. Yeah, absolutely. It is an anxiety-driven process, and um, I actually had a Twitter poll um, a couple days ago that I posted, and I asked all my followers, "It's like, well, are you more looking forward to March 13th or are you looking forward to March 17th?" Basically, asking them, "Are you more looking forward to find out if you match, or are you more looking forward to find where you match?" And surprisingly, uh, more people, not a ton more, but more people were actually looking forward to more to find out if they matched. Now, yeah. the whole if they match thing, that's a lot of like maybe, you know, um, what is it called where you doubt yourself, right? It's 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 you're not you're not sure if you're good enough. And in the process, it's like, as Stanley mentioned, what if you go through this? What if you have all this time and, and money invested in, and you ultimately don't match? It's very crippling. But. I think the things are, are they headed in the right direction this year. Um, there are more programs opening up throughout the country. As I mentioned, going into the match process at the beginning of the match season, there were only 98 programs for physical medicine and rehab throughout the country. 
And I think two to three opened up um, throughout the process. So that, that's amazing. That's amazing. More opportunities for more people. People are allowed to set up this programs and, and there's obviously more opportunity to get in. Some of the things that I wish that, that they can improve or that can be improved throughout the match process is basically program transparency on the number of applicants they're allowed to interview. Um, before and in, in years past, a lot of programs were allowed to interview as many applicants as they wanted. Uh, this past cycle, um, I was told that it was a little bit different and programs are only allowed to interview according to how many spots mm. they had in their program. So whether that was, I don't know, possibly 10 per one single seat or whether it was 12, I'm not exactly sure. But I know that I was told this year for the first time ever, um, programs were capped on the amount of, of applicants that were allowed to interview. Another thing that, that I wish that it can improve is require the programs to review and send out interview invites before a certain date. This will prevent applicants to live in a state of constant anxiety and awareness while monitoring the phones and emails during the whole interview cycle. Um, you, you'll go through the process and, and you'll be aware of your phone throughout the whole time. If it lights up, is it a text message or is it an email? Is it an invite or is it, or is it not? I've had um, some friends who've gotten interview invites on Saturday mornings. I've had some friends who've gotten interview invites at 10 p.m., 11 o'clock Eastern. It's, it's, there's no one right time for programs to send out their interviews, and that stinks. That stinks. You may be out doing something. You may not have your phone on you, and you miss, your, you miss this, this very, very important time and this very, very important event, and you might have to be waitlisted, unfortunately. So that's one thing I do with um, have all the interviews sent out or, or no interviews past a certain time or no interviews on weekends or maybe Saturdays, but there's no like set time right now, and, and there's, no, um, there's no standards. Um, that's a good point. I, I didn't know that 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 yeah. was happening but i think it kind of goes to like this newer way of thinking for medicine like having a work-life balance and like not having this career kind of overtake your whole life and i think that that would be a beneficial step towards making things more like manageable and like same thing with like the amount of hours that we work and just right. in general like there's ways that we can improve the quality of like how things are done so that, you know, we don't feel, you know, that pressure to constantly be stressed out about, Oh, are we going to match and worry? And then also in, in residency, the stress to like perform at that level. Well, obviously you want to still perform at a high level, but not feel like, you know, your whole, Life yeah. is going to go down the drain if, you know, you don't do one thing. So Yeah, I think Absolutely. you mentioned something about interviews, like send out interviews. I don't know if it was, I think I heard this on Twitter somewhere. I think it was orthopedics that they have on interview day where they send out all the interviews that they have. I don't know if that's accurate or not. I'm not sure. OB-GYN does that, actually. Yeah, I was going to oh. say OB-GYN is the one that does that. And they pick a day and that, that's when they send out. Yeah, but it's also not a hard, fast rule. Mm -hmm. um, I would say a grand majority of the programs send it out on that one day. But I know a lot of people who applied OB-GYN that they got interviews well after that as well. So it's not a hard set rule. But uh, one last thing that I think like that'd be nice for the uh, match process in general is just like a universal rule on how like post-interview communication works. 
um, some programs um, tell you, it's like email is thank the residents. Here's like a list of um, all their emails, phone numbers, and names. And some inter um, some of the programs um, will not want you to to reach out to the residents or any programs, faculty and staff after the interview. Um, there's some programs that you may send out an email and tell them thanks, and they may reply to you with a very nice email, thanking you for participating in and thinking about and considering their program. And then there's other programs where basically you reach out to them and they'll, they may not look your email. They may not reply to your email. They may just put it into your, um, their, your participant or interviewer file, but they won't reply. So that leaves a little bit of wondering, right? Um, and that may be the protocol for a lot of these programs. They may have loved you and you ultimately may match there. But it leaves you wondering if you email one of these programs and you don't hear back. It's like, did I do something wrong? Was I not supposed to do this? Or did they not like me during the interview? So that's just another thing. It's, I know it's very in detail, but it's, it's, it's one thing that I've noticed from um, just people like talking throughout this whole interview process. Well, thank you so much, Yoshi, for just taking your time out of your day to like talk to us and like educate us on this whole math process. Uh, well, good luck. I know your, your match is coming soon, and I hope, obviously, I hope that you match, and I hope you match into your top program, and uh, honestly, good luck moving forward with your career. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. As I mentioned earlier, I am more than happy to, to always like speak about anything throughout medical school and hopefully in, in the future residency. Um, one of the things that I would recommend you guys and recommend anyone else as well listening and, and anyone that you guys talk to is find a mentor. Find someone that's gone through the process, whether it's in your um, desired specialty or not. Um, they can guide you through the process. They'll teach you and, and you'll be able to learn from their mistakes. But it's, it's very vital. You don't want to go into this process alone. You don't want to go into this process blind. So find a mentor, find, talk to someone, and let them guide you through, throughout this whole um, insanity. Yeah, thank you, Yoshi. Yeah, absolutely. I'm here for you guys and anyone else that wants to reach out with any questions. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, obviously, like, if anyone has any questions, we'll try to direct them towards you, okay? Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Have a good rest of your day. Right, Bye. Bye-bye. That was a really good interview with Yoshi, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just reminds me of like how stressful it sounds <laughs> in terms of like what we have to do like for the next couple months to come, and like it kind of sounded very similar to the whole like the whole match sounded very similar to like have you seen Love Island? Yes. Like the whole par uh, pairing uh -huh. and the first episode where you like show up and then. The, the the girls decided the one you are like either way so it, it's it's very 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 in that sense like very similar what i don't understand is how every fourth year you talk to they're like fourth year is the best it's awesome like every year of med school i feel like it just gets like not easier but like you kind of know what you're doing a little bit more and you're like finally it's the third year where you're on rotations you're like oh. and then everybody says fourth year is awesome and so chill but i'm like this doesn't sound chill no. and it goes on like first you have to do your year ass application and then interviews and those are all and then audition rotations and then audition rotations and then like ranking and matching which is like all the way till march so then from march to may then you can chill but yeah, before that if you, i don't if you even match too yeah and like i think 
it's kind of funny. Like I was thinking about this whole match process and like coming to an application and stuff, and it reminds me so much of like the whole visual that we have to do right now in terms of like you know audition rotation. Mm-hmm. And given the fact that we don't have a home institution, we at like at a, a disadvantage to some degree, you know, because we don't have like a hospital that is like yeah, we're not one of the programs exactly. that is offering like these slow uh, rotations, for example, but. Even even like um, at UNM, like it's hard sometimes to find like the program that you're looking for at that time because they open at a certain time and close at a certain time. So like when you're like kind of trying to figure out where you want to be going for residency and then you search on VSLO, you may or may not find like an audition rotation in what specialty you're looking for and things like that. So obviously like the more common like specialties like there's going to be more opportunities i feel like and it's kind of funny because like most of the programs on visual as a do student like some of them are not even the programs that I, i'm thinking of like going into going into in terms of like for residency or mm-hmm. so because those are more, like very md heavy programs yeah i've also heard that it's good to just like get a foot in the door at that program regardless of if if it's in your desired specialty because while you're there you still are going to have the opportunity to possibly interact with some of the people in the program that you are interested in just saying like i just wanted to be at this institution to see how the general structure of the program was and Kind of get to get to experience a little bit more even though i couldn't get into that specific audition rotation yeah i think it's also very frustrating the fact that if you let's say you apply to a program and that's one of like your top programs that you want to audition at and you actually get the audition rotation like and mm-hmm. like you're left with like it, it's very very it's frustrating like all the trauma of applying to med school all over again exactly like it's, rejection it's like, rejection rejection and finally that one acceptance or like, multiple acceptances but like at least for me i had like all of my rejections before any of my acceptances so it was like yeah, you lose hope the funny enough i actually got like a one rejection already from one of the programs they're like i haven't even submitted anything yet and it was like apparently it's a it's a, it was a problem that i applied to too too many like rotations for that one program oh. so i applied to both general surgery and like congenital heart and it's like you can't do that i'm like what if i'm interested in both like i it's yeah it's weird how they have like all these rules and stuff and there's some programs that like aren't even an option because we are a DO student, which is really frustrating because everybody in, in the residency like programs is now saying like, there's no bias. Like we're not looking at DO versus MD or we don't like preferentially accept more MDs than DOs, but you know, cause they like merge the programs now, but I still kind of, obviously the stigma is still there and like in VSLO it's it's still separate so like it how how am I supposed to match into this program if you're not even letting me do an audition rotation there to I mean that doesn't mean you won't match if you don't do an audition there but I think it gives you a higher chance of matching right because actually they've seen what you can do I mean it's, it's I think as far as like interviews go it almost guarantees you an interview slot as long as some something doesn't go wrong on your audition rotation Like, and these audition rotations are exhausting because you have to be like okay. on your A game the entire time and really make 
make sure you're putting your best foot forward and you know you can't you can't think that 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 month that you're not constantly being like watched yeah. by everyone involved and like the residents that you work with it's going to get back to um like the program director and like even the patients that you're interacting with they're going to talk to other people in the care team and it like word gets around so it's it's really important that you're spending that time like really putting your best foot forward and then you know it's it's almost a guarantee that you get an interview at that point and but then that doesn't guarantee that you'll match there i honestly feel honestly bad or like kind of it's it's sad because like as someone that wants to do what considered competitive specialty i.e surgery and stuff like we only have from september no sorry not september we have from august all the way to january for what you actually said yeah for like so auditions the auditions you can you can do them in like january or july and um august but really the closer you are like it's recency bias right yeah. you, you have these programs that are like coming through your application and the closer you are to like when interviews start to rotating there like you're going to be fresh in their mind when they are looking at who they want to interview and then it's like that january slot it's like most interviews are like kind of wrapping up at that point but it might be helpful to do a rotation at that time because it's closer to when when ranking happens yeah. so it's it's hard uh, it's really really frustrating and then like the cost to like the other day yeah. like i just finished applying to like a couple of them and it's expensive it's mm-hmm. like 15 dollars per program I think the first three or so is fifteen, each. and then after that is like five dollars each or something. Oh, it's like fifteen. Fifteen for yeah. each. Yeah. Yeah. So like, like the best way you're gonna get more like auditions is by applying to more programs, exactly. and it's just gonna cost more. And that kind of goes back to like I I have very strong opinions about how medicine is very elitist it and is. kind of like. We always look and wonder why there's not, you know, a lot of diversity in medicine. Well, part of the problem is like the cost that goes into all of these things. And there are like programs that kind of help with the cost of applying to medical school and things like that. And there's like, like scholarships that you can do. But I just think that like for, for us to have more doctors, which everyone would agree is a necessity. We need more doctors. Like we're not going to be able to have a sustainable healthcare system if we don't like make more competent doctors. And then you're, you're limiting like who can be a doctor by so many things. It's so, like, it's so it shouldn't expensive. be about like if you can afford it or not. It should be about if you're like able to have what it takes to to, yeah. to learn this information and like be professional come out yeah. and like be the best doctor that yeah. you can be like because honestly the other day i was thinking about like like what parts of the programs i picked were the ones that i was hopefully maybe i could drive to this state the state surrounding me because I, I was thinking about okay what happens if i have to live somewhere for like four mm-hmm. weeks like how do i 
Where do I get the housing? Where do I get the food? There's to eat some programs that um, are like specifically for um, like healthcare professionals in that sense, where it's like people that are like travel nurses or people that are um, in any like healthcare setting where they would need to do like clinical rotations yeah. for a month or two there. So there are like housing programs for that, but it's, it's like expensive. if you're doing a rural medicine, yeah. like you're not going to have that. It's, it's still it's costs still money expensive. though. Yeah. It still costs money. And mm-hmm. then like the flight tickets, if you find, like I was thinking about it the other day, like I applied to a program in Ohio and I'm like, who the hell do I know in Ohio? <laughs> Nobody. And how am I going to get to Ohio? That's, that's, that's a plane ticket to Ohio and back from Ohio. So it's so sometimes your home like institution can help with that. Like if, they know like okay there's a resident from for example like from your med school that is at that like location then you know like connect you with like network kind of so you can branch out and like be able to like say like hey where would a good place to stay be or something like that right um kind of to talk a little bit about what yoshi was talking about with interviewing now that it's all virtual, it's, it's a downside for me because when I was applying to med school, I was all inter- uh, interviewing online too. But the thing is, you don't get to experience what it's like to be there in that state. Like you might like the program, but if you have never lived in that area before, like how do you know you're going to like living there for the next four years? And a lot of the times I hear students talk about like, oh, there's nothing to do here. Like if they came from a bigger city and then moved to this town for med school, it's like they they didn't really expect it to, you know, be like that because they were just thinking about, I got to get into school yeah. or like now I just got to match into a right. residency program. Not right. like you're going to be living in this place for the next four, four years. years you're going to be working with these people. So like, it's not just about, do you get along with these residents? Do you see yourself fitting in here? But it's like, do you really want to live in mm. Ohio? Oh. Do you are, do you want to live where it's going to be cold and snowy? <laughs> you know, know what I mean. Man, do you want to do you want to live on you know a coast like California where the cost of living is super expensive? Right. Things like that. It's not just the program. Like, would it be awesome to go to UC Davis for OB gyn Yeah, sure. like amazing program. I would love to. But like, am I gonna like where I live? I don't know. I don't really think I want to spend that much money or like. New York, for example, there's definitely a lot of really good medical programs there, but it's so expensive. So all those things you have to think about. Yeah, it's it's honestly frustrating thinking about it. And and people honestly think like the, there's literally rising cost to getting a degree in medicine. Like it's mm-hmm. crazy mm-hmm. expensive now to have that. And and people wonder why we get paid so much. Honestly, the reason why they're paying us so much is so we can pay back half <laughs> of the stuff that we owe and stuff. It's, and there are like programs like right now I'm on a OB-GYN rotation where um, we work at a federally funded clinic. So patients pay what they can afford. Mm. So if you have an insurance and a good job, like, and it's private insurance, like your insurance will cover it. We'll bill your insurance. That's great. But if you can't afford it, like we will subsidize that and part of that is the fact that my attending was able to get her loans completely paid for because she works at this clinic so she out of residency chose this position 
in part not solely for that reason like she she works well at this clinic it it works well for her like background and her like career goals goals, but um like she now has she's debt free two years out of residency or three something like that because she chose to work at a program like that and now i wouldn't say where we live is necessarily rural but it's definitely underserved right but like that that kind of also goes into i've heard a lot of people talk about like why should i have to move to somewhere like that is rural just so that i can afford Mm. that you know because like if you really don't want to be living there you shouldn't you shouldn't do that but some people make that decision even after residency they like when they're you know full-on attending they're still like making that decision so that they can pay for their student loans honestly i think it's (laughs) it's a lot we have to deal with and (laughs) I wish each other, each and every one of us luck because we, mm-hmm. we have to do it a lot. Like, good luck to everybody applying to the visa loan and visa and stuff. Mm-hmm. Hope you guys get the programs you want to go to. And uh, thank you so much for listening again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is a, one of the more educational ones yeah. on in terms of, like, for current medical students, not just, like, kind of general... Yeah. It's very important for us because we'll be dealing with this in the very <laughs> Yeah, but for months. people that are like maybe not at that stage yet, kind of to like Plan. get you to that point, like obviously the biggest thing is make sure you're passing all your classes and like getting good grades because that's re- like at this point, your application is composed of, you know, like that you passed all your courses, that you passed your boards. And then, you know, you have, like, everything that you've done in medical school, like your research, your volunteering and whatnot. But you really need to kind of just focus on that part of it in your first and second year. And yeah. it's it's a lot harder than it sounds. Like, just, oh, just get, like, all good scores and you'll be <laughs> yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you had uh... – a fun time like listening to us and i hope it was really educational for you guys so thank you so much for tuning in another time and we'll see you guys next week bye, bye.